Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today is Tell Dell Tuesday. And as always, for 30 years now, we've had couples, singles, come on and tell their story. Today's story is a little bit different in that the people that we're going to have on have an interesting background. So with me here today, Don and Caroline Hoke. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello, Dell. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm reading your resume here, Don, and it, it's interesting, uh, interesting reading, to say the least. Tell everybody what your background is. Explain it to them what you did with your life and what you what your expertise is well i'm a recovering museum director and uh i want you to know that i'm museum director free since january 1 2010 so <laughs> and uh by training i'm a historian of technology so that's it's still a passion and we still enjoy doing that and uh actually lifestyles is sort of helping out with that Historian of technology. So that's why you have this uh, thing about the cars and uh, old cars and stuff like that? The antique steam cars, yes, yes. So, uh, but, uh, you know, by background, I have a a BA in economics and I've got a PhD in economic history. And uh, Carolyn has a BA, uh, I forget what in. International relations. Well, that answered that question. (laughs) And then she's the the one in the family with the MBA. Well, as I was reading both, as I was reading both of your backgrounds and everything, uh, and by the way, you went to a school. I used to go to the University of Wisconsin. So did you? Okay, a little background there. But as I was reading, I couldn't help but think these people do not sound like the kind of people that normally join Lifestyles Unlimited. And that's not a slight in any way, shape, or form. It's just, I don't know if it was the Wisconsin or the Canada or the... It just screamed liberal. Liberalism. <laughs> massive hey, college education. <laughs> massive c- college education for both of you. I mean, you guys got more letters after your name than Carter's got pills. And then to lived in Wisconsin and Canada, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, how did these guys run into lifestyle? So why don't you pick that up? How did you come from this really academic, highly educated academic background to come to a place like Lifestyles and talk about money? Well, let's see. Uh, At Beloit College 40 years ago, I was one of eight conservative people. And uh, um, it it was funny. I was dating a girl at the time, and and, uh, she told me afterwards, she said, her friends would come up to her and say, well, why are you dating Don Hoke? He's a conservative. And she said, well, he's a nice guy. So at any rate, <laughs> after graduation, she went, you know, we went our separate ways. But, but uh, uh, the answer is, uh, basically, I was always sort of on the conservative side, and so was Carol. And 
we met at our 10th reunion. Uh, and my, my goal was to go back and pretend to play alumni football, which I did badly, and drink some beer, which I did well, and tell lies with fraternity brothers and all that nonsense. And, and she was husband hunting. And she shot me. <laughs> and I've been trying to get out of it for the last 37 years, but I have not. I've failed so far. But uh, the answer is that it was just something that I, it was just part of our, our, our mental makeup. Uh, you know, the newspaper I read on a daily basis is the Wall Street Journal. So that's, I, I just, we always were. That's interesting. I think I was the lone conservative uh, in the University of Wisconsin, although I'm only half conservative. I'm a financial conservative and a social liberal, so I don't really fit anywhere. Um, <laughs> but that's that's kind of what I thought when I was thinking that. So let's let's move yeah. on to this thing here. What what prompted you? At what point in your life prompted you that you need to start thinking about retirement in some way, shape, or form? Uh. Actually, from the very beginning, uh, I, uh, my first museum job was a city county employee, and they they did a, a, a retirement program, and we still get three hundred dollars a month from them. Uh, and then I left and went off to run a museum, and and they didn't have a retirement program. So I sat down with my board chair and said, "Hi, uh, when I get to be fifty nine and a half, uh, I, I need a retirement plan." And he, we were in a little college town, Appleton, which was a, it was a wonderful town, and we had a great time. I went to school in Appleton after I got kicked out of the University of Wisconsin for beating somebody up, by the way, just so I can... So you went to Lawrence University? <laughs> I went to University of Wisconsin, Whitewater is what they called it. I don't know what Oh, university. Whitewater. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so at any rate, he uh, set us up with the basic retirement program that Lawrence is using and all the colleges and so forth use. I don't know if we're allowed to, to name names, but, you know, they're a, a, a bill, they have billions and billions in, in management. And they preach the gospel of save like a maniac and hope to outlive, not to outlive your money. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing that in the mid-'80s when we got to, to Appleton, and we did that for the next 35 years. We just saved like crazy. And uh, to, to, to their credit, the, the, this company did exactly what they said they were going to do. I mean, they, they would sit down with us, um, and the guy had this, you know, quarter-inch thick report, and he said, you know, we ran 342 regressions on your on your uh, <laughs> uh, program, and then there's a 98.3 percent chance that you won't wanna, won't run out of money by the age of 95. And uh, so we were we were looking at that, and in 2013, I, I, I will tell you the world's worst real estate story. Um, I almost committed suicide over this. I want you to know. So, but we bought a house when we got married in in 1984 in Milwaukee, and it was on the bluff overlooking the lake, and and um, you could see the yacht club and the bridge and downtown, and it was glorious. And then a year later, I got a job, uh, left Milwaukee, and we went to Appleton and rented this house. And we had no clue as to what we were doing. 
Uh, and so we struggled with it for a year or two, and it was a problem and a hassle, and so we sold it. And I think we paid 85 or 86 for it and sold it for 93 or 95 something in that range. I mean, we made money. It's okay. Fast forward to 2013, we take our daughter after she graduated from Chicago to Milwaukee for a day. We drive in front of the house, and the house next door is for sale. And so I said to my daughter, call up the real estate agent. Find out how much that house. So she blah, 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 blah. She says, Daddy, it's $640,000. I said, no, it's not. I'll call the real estate agent. It was $640,000. Here's the four-by-four upside the donkey's head. After 35 years of saving, I had less than $640,000 at the bank in my retirement program. (laughs) Boy, I that is, drove off that is an eye-opener, isn't it? That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. True story. Absolutely a true story. So, But at any rate, um, after my folks died, and, and I won't bore you with that story, we began looking at, at alternatives. And um, I'd heard the radio station on Sunday mornings for a couple of years, and I couldn't, you know, it, there was something about it and our bad experience with real estate in, in Milwaukee. And so finally, finally, I, I picked up the phone one day and and uh, and called and chatted with a fellow here in the Dallas office and sort of told him this horrible story and, and management. And he said, well, we don't manage our houses. We hire somebody to do that. Oh, why didn't I think of that 35 years ago? With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Don and Caroline Hoke out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, they're currently sitting on 2,521 units. Seems like a lot. Yeah, it's quite a few. And uh, they've been doing this now successfully for quite some time. So let's go ahead and bring them back. And Don, I cut you off before we went, when we went to break because they were going to kick us out. Uh, let's talk about you listening to the show on the weekends and what you thought about it take it from there. It was very interesting because I kept hearing sort of the same thing over and over again, and I kept thinking, oh, we had such a horrible experience with real estate in Milwaukee, and it took it took longer than it should have taken for me to get beyond that and actually pick up the phone and call somebody in the, in the Dallas office. And uh, the, the, the thing that, that hit was the problems that we had were managing two rental properties from 100 miles away. So we, we, we just sold them, and we didn't need the headache. And then I, I discovered that you didn't do that. That was not the smart thing to do. You hire somebody to handle all those things for you, a property manager. And back in the 80s and early 90s, we just, we just didn't know that. We just didn't understand that. So at any rate, we, uh, I wandered over and, and chatted with a couple of folks, and they said, hey, come on Thursday night and, and uh, listen and, and see what you think. Uh, and so I did, and uh, it really piqued my interest. I said, wait, wait a minute, I, I don't have to hire somebody to manage single-family houses? And, and what's this thing about multifamily all about? Uh, and so... 
Dave Fisher was was teaching the two day that weekend, and so I gave him my credit card and said, "Well, you know, how bad can it be?" And uh, so I spent two days listening to David Fisher, and uh, as as all of our our members who have ever met Dave know, he's uh, he's not exactly Mister Milk Toast. So. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, at, at the end of the of the of the two days, um, I was looking at what I had and and the potential to to change that. I I I joined. So uh, and and uh, it's it's been a, it's been a fun ride ever since. I have to tell you. So, Carolyn, did you go to the two day also? Was that the one where I went on Saturday for multifamily? You went on Sunday for multifamily. Sunday for multifamily, yes. Right. He he started talking about this, and I said, okay, we'll take a look and see. I'm the MBA, um, and I just kind of a little more skeptical on things. But he won me over, and so we looked at our retirement accounts and agreed that he could use his retirement account for real estate, and I would keep my retirement account in stock. And that way we had this diversification that a number of financial planners talk about. That's Uh, interesting, yeah. Caroline, this is a personal question. and I'm asking this because I think it opens up a can of worms that should be opened somehow. And that is, you said that because you're an MBA, you're a little more skeptical. Why would an MBA be more skeptical than anybody else? Maybe it's just my nature. I'm an operations management person. I like, you know, ducks in a, in a row, be able to look ahead and things. And I just was not sure on this real estate thing. But he's won me over. And... Uh, I'm a joint on everything that we do. Of course, living in Texas, you kind of have to be. <laughs> and um, I'm not quite quite sure if having the MBA helped or hindered on this one, except that I, I look at numbers, and the numbers started looking good. So I said, okay, go ahead, do it, use your money. Well, you know, the, the point I was getting to, Carolyn, is that, huh? and, and by the way, everybody in my family Every single person in my family, except me, is a professor at a university somewhere, okay? That's my family. Uh So I come from people (laughs) that have high educations, right? Uh, I don't, but they do. So my, my thought was, as I heard you say that, is that is it because you invested so much to get a degree that you believe that everything in life has to take a long time? and a lot of education and go to a, a traditional school to get that information? Is oh, that no, the not reality? At, not at this point, no. At this point, you know, now back in the 70s when we were doing our undergraduate and graduate work, that was the path that was expected. Today, you can make more money being in the trades and not yeah. get that college education. So I would encourage anyone who's not that keen on college and who likes to work with his or her hands to look at the trades. Okay, one more one more slice at this thing, yeah. and that's and I'll let you go. <laughs> okay. But this is the kind of stuff that interests people out there because they, they have to think about things. So, what about the possibility that MBAs just think they're smarter than everybody else, and that nobody else could come up with something that's really incredible? 
accept them because they're MBAs. Is well, that I think a possibility? You're MBAs out of certain schools. You have that mindset because the professors there teach you that mindset. You've come out of this Ivy League school, so therefore you know everything. Gotcha. And the reality is, you don't know everything. We're, we're out there learning every day and taking the best advice that we can find for whatever we're doing. So, And that, that takes a while for a person to learn, is that, hey, I am not the smartest, and there are people out there I should be going to. And I think that's where lifestyles comes in, particularly with Don, where he was thinking, oh, this looks interesting. He got in, got in started the program, and said, yeah, this, this will work for us. The thought I've always had is that higher education was designed to create a critical thinker. That you, you learn to learn is what going to more school does. It teaches you how to access information, which in this day and age, my gosh, with kids, I, there's nothing that gets discussed at a bar side or a table or a kitchen table that you don't pull out Google and the argument's over. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? It's like, I know that, I, I know, no, you don't know anything. Look, Google, there it is. There's the facts right there. Boom, five seconds. So, yeah, it's and, how, and how much is actually on Google on these other platforms? So that's, I think colleges have gotten away from teaching that critical thinking. They're not encouraging discussion in the classrooms and outside the classrooms. They're trying to stifle some of that. And I think that's hurtful in the that's long sad. term because you just aren't learning how to think critically. I agree. Don, you had something you wanted to say, and I was deep in my conversation with Caroline. What was it you were going to bring up? No, I, when, when she was talking about how we we decided that that I would play with my money and she would keep hers in the stock market. My my only comment was happy wife, happy life. You know, so <laughs> it's it, it's learning to live together and, and compromise and and uh, you know, yeah, uh, uh, make make sure that everybody's comfortable with with you know where we're going from here. So that's that thirty six years of training you've been under. That that gets you that, to that realization. I have it too. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break now, and we'll be right back with Don and Carolyn Hoke in the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. We went from 100% live to 100% virtual. And you know, the funny thing is, is that nobody wants to go back to work now that work from home, right? So now my members are like, well, Dell, we want to keep those virtual things open because now I know all the people in Miami and I know all the people in Chicago. I know all the people now know each other from all over the country because of these virtual events. The free workshop, How to Retire in Five Years or Less, is online. Go to lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Don and Caroline Hoke out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, they currently have over 2,500 units uh, as passives, and uh, they're really happy that they don't have to manage real estate themselves to be in real estate. Let's pick this back up here, guys. You went to the two-day. Caroline, you went one day on Sunday. Did you have any aha moments? Don, obviously, you had a few. Caroline, what about you? Uh, I just basically said it looks reasonable, you know, and let's see what see what the plan is financially from, you know, our retirement accounts and such. And then uh, 
we put the full amount on the credit card <laughs> and went forward. So. So, Don, that's a win. You got a, aha, uh-huh, okay, it looks reasonable, and uh, you spend your money, not mine. That's a pretty good, <laughs> right. that's a pretty that's good halfway acceptance, huh? Well, yeah. that, that was kind of the plan was to, you know, we were, at the time, we were extremely heavily into the stock market. You know, that's how we had deliberately set our retirement accounts. And the market is doing extremely well. Uh but we also realized that we needed to do some diversification. And once we checked into the lifestyles and looked at, you know, the tax penalties for taking the money out of his retirement account, and we said, yeah, we can afford to do this, um, we went ahead with the first purchases. Mm-hmm. And now I think Don said we're in 21 deals. We're in, we're in 21 deals now. We've been in 22, but one of our leads got sick and sold. And it was a real disappointment because it was a great, great uh, value deal, and we only made 17.17% on our money on, on one year. So that was, I just say, Dale, that was pretty disappointing, you know, just 17%. So. Yeah. So let's talk about your approach when you came out, and this is where Caroline probably should have got got excited about it, was coming up with uh, processes, or no, maybe you were the expert in processes. So the process is, let's design this process of how we're going to invest. Are we going to do only local? We're going to do local and far away. We're going to do this state, other states. Are we going to do beginner leads? are just only successful leads? Are we going to do value plays? Are we going to do, you know, yield plays? Are we going to do yet? And when you throw all those together, that becomes quite a matrix to plan out. How did you guys see it? Well, I, I think I was the one that was seeing it. And uh, and you, you, you asked about the aha moments, and I will, I will take you back to David Fisher and there was a partial aha on Saturday when he teased about multifamily because at that point I was thinking, all right, well we can we can we can buy a bunch of houses. And on Sunday when he starts talking about multifamily, I realized that we had the resources that we'd we'd skip single and go straight into multifamily. And so uh, the thing that I did, uh, uh, as Carolyn says, we whipped out the credit card that night, and uh, the first thing I did on Monday morning was to call Terry and said, uh, Hi, I, I just spent serious money, and it's 9.30 in the morning, and I haven't done anything yet. Tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she did. And and the, the one of the overriding things that, that Lifestyles teaches is that we have a system and don't reinvent the wheel. And so I went very heavily into the education side of things and got certified as a passive and did as much of that as that I could as at an early date. John Pry was is has become a, a very good friend and, and uh, he was my first passive mentor and I have to tell you I, I drank John Pry's Kool Aid. Um, and Charles Ho was really helpful as well. Uh, he gave uh, a tremendous piece of advice. He said, sit down and read 10 PPMs before you invest in anything. Uh, and the other thing that I love about lifestyles is that everybody shares information. I mean, you, you know, you ask somebody a question and they'll tell you. 
Um, and that was extraordinarily helpful as we started to, to look at individual deals. Um, we stayed basically in Texas for the first year and a half or so, and then we heard about a little bit more about uh, uh, Arizona, and so we, we talked with some people out there and, and talked with folks who had invested out there and what leads they liked and so forth. So we have a, a couple of deals in, in Arizona that are doing very nicely as well. But it was a learning process. After you've been in it for almost three years, this whole thing about you know value and value deals and, and yield plays and all of that, that becomes second nature, but it takes, you know, six or eight months to, to have that fully ingrained in you. And so we're in a, in, a, in, a, in a number of different deals. Some of them are straight yield plays, uh, you know, uh, send me the money. Uh, we're in a great deal uh, with one of my favorite leads down in South Dallas, and, and uh, he bought a slum, a big slum. <laughs> and uh, it's going extraordinarily well, and he... You know, at the beginning, he said uh, that, you know, it, it's deep value, and don't even think about a distribution for the first year. Well, okay, we looked at the numbers. Part of the great training is getting to know the MFQA, as they say, and how to read the numbers. So we've been through a pretty, pretty extensive education program, which is extraordinarily useful and helpful. Would you say that you put more weight on the horse or the jockey, meaning the deal or the lead? Uh, I'm I'm all in favor of leads, um, and that came. That took me about six to nine months to begin to understand, and so. Um, but yeah, uh, we're we're in a number of deals with leads that are doing their second. Uh, 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 deal. We got in with a couple of fellas that were first times, and uh, two of those in particular have turned out extraordinarily well, and, and so we're in, in their second deals as well. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a great believer in, in jockeys and not horses. Okay. Um, let's talk about diversification. Uh, do you have any need for locational diversification? I decided that after we had most of our deals in Texas, uh, I kept hearing about what was going on in Arizona. And so we looked into that and talked, as I say, we talked with some people. And I like the idea that we're, that we're in two states at this point, that, you know, Arizona is, is an entirely different market than than Dallas, and that's a different market than, than, than Houston. So I like the idea that we're diversified, yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about diversification between value play and yield play. How do you see that? Do you want diversification that way, or you don't really care? I do care. Um, what I look for are deals that have cash flow to begin with. I've bought into the the Dell Wamsley three rules, and the first one is, does it pay cash? And so <laughs> the answer is yes. So I'm I'm looking at that, but I'm also looking at that three to four or five years down the road, and what does this lead think the value of this asset is going to be? So at this point, out of 21 deals, we have 13 that are 
paying regular distributions. Um, four of them are brand new. Well, not brand new, but within the last four, five, or six months. Um, and we have three guys that are struggling a little bit, and, and part of that was uh, the Chinese Wuhan virus, and part of that was uh, hurricanes down on the coast, and part of it was, you know, just dumb bad luck, and, and you know, you can't do anything about that. But that's why diversification is, is really important. And, and uh, so, as I say, we've got 13 that are paying, I think, within six months, Fifteen of those will be paying. One of them, I know, is a really deep value and, and won't pay for a year. And, and but the he's a lead that we've worked with before, and seeing what he's done since September is, is I'm sorry, not September since July on this on this deal is just phenomenal. I mean, the, it's amazing that what he's done with with an absolute slump. Uh, it was. What eighty percent occupied, and two of the buildings didn't have hot running water, and fences were falling down, and the drug dealers were running, <laughs> running rampant, and he has just done a phenomenal job turning that around. But you understand that because you've been through all the training, you've you've talked with a lot of people, you've made friends, and you understand what he's doing. Absolutely. And then as long as they can tell you that up front, then you do feel comfortable. With me here today on Telltale Tuesday is Don and Caroline Hoke out of Dallas, Texas. They currently have around 2,500 units that they're passively invested into, accumulating them over the last three years. And when we come back here, what I wanted to talk about was, what did your friends and family think about you getting into this, Don or Caroline? Mm. Experiences from those around you. Uh, well, right now we have a skeptical daughter, <laughs> uh, but she's just, you know, still young. We we need we need to kind of bring her along. She's living out in California, and uh, we just need to make her understand that mom and dad are not risking their retirement funds by doing this. And, and we're not kicking poor people out onto the street. That was her main one. Yeah. Was that? <laughs> Boy, you know, you but. raised her in what? What states did she get raised in? She get raised in Texas and Dallas, or yeah, here in primarily Texas. here in Dallas. Oh, she was okay. four years old when when we moved to Dallas. Yeah, I so. guess going to California though could disrupt all that good Texas learning, huh? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but outside of that, um, I I don't have a family, so it's just me and Carolyn has. Uh, uh, other siblings, and I, I don't know that we've had any great conversations with them. Uh, I don't think we so. have. We're all kind of live very yeah. independent lives, yeah. and uh, so everyone seems to be comfortable in what they're doing. So yeah. we just haven't talked about it yeah. on there. But one well, of Carolina, the, weren't one you of the, weren't you a teacher, Carolina? Woman? No, no, no. I, I worked on the uh, facility side at a uh, independent girls' school. Yeah. So okay. I, I've never taught. No. I had a teaching assistantship at uh, the University of Delaware, and I hated every last second of it. I, I would have been a terrible teacher. So, but, Well, let's talk about so, since uh, you didn't come in with a bunch of friends and family, uh, let's talk about where you're at socially within the group. Did you find it interesting that people were so open? Yes. You know, it's, just, uh, the, it's a very friendly group of people. The The unfortunate thing is that, during the during the first year or so, we were 
uh, I was wor- still working, so I didn't. We didn't do a lot of social interaction as a couple. Uh, for example, Don would go down to the Houston show, you know, by himself because I couldn't get the time off. Uh, bad time of year, and then. But now that I've retired, uh, I joined him at the conference over in Irving and had a great time meeting, you know, other investors and learning their stories and just kind of getting to know some people. So. Yeah, and we've had some folks over for dinner before the virus nonsense started. And, and it, it, Carolyn's exactly right. We've, we've met a whole bunch of wonderful people, and, and uh, you know, they, they are like-minded individuals. And so... Now that things are loosening up a little bit, I'm hoping that that we can do a little bit more entertaining in the in the Dallas area and uh, uh, get to know some folks a little better. There there are a couple of them that live literally down the street. So, uh, but yeah, they just just absolutely wonderful people. That's all I can say. Were you surprised, Don, on how open they are about money? I mean, it's one of those things. Like uh, when I grew up. The kids never even spoke to their parents about money. Parents would definitely not tell the neighbors how much money they had, or anybody for that matter. And now we just sit there and go, like, "Yeah, I just rounded the corner from uh, one million to two point five And <laughs> it's an amazing yeah. thing to me. I just blows my mind. Well, yeah. How about you? What did you think about that? Yeah, same thing. What do you, What do you think, Carolyn? Well, I think definitely uh, within in the group, uh, a lot of these people seem to be very modest about their accomplishments. You know, within the group, if they're talking like to you on the radio, they might be a little more open. But what I found was that people don't flaunt their wealth. You meet individuals, you don't know whether they're in the below a million, above a million, below a quarter million. You have no idea what their background is, except that they have found something that they're enjoying. They're being, they feel they're being successful in it and having fun. Have you ever sought out other passives for information? Oh, all the time. Absolutely, yes. Yes. You know, I'll often pick up the phone and, and, and uh, talk to people and say, you know, what do you know about this lead or what do you know about that lead? And, and you know, somebody will be a KP on, a, on another deal, and you'll look at that, and so you can pick up the phone and call that fellow and say, well, what do you think about so-and-so's second deal? And, and they're just very open. I mean, they, they, will, they will tell you. And, and, you know, if they've had a bad experience, they'll tell you that, too. So, um, so you know, reputation is really important in this organization. I thought it was interesting. I had to put a rule in the white paper that lead investors had to disclose their membership list to the members themselves. In other words, they didn't want people to get together and talk about them behind their back, I guess. <laughs> so we had to make that officially a rule. That's a yeah. funny one there. But, yeah, I... Yeah. I I think it's important that people share that information because how else do you get it? I mean, that's the problem out there in, in the investment world today. you got a stockbroker trying to sell you something, but you don't really know what's going on with that business, the inside scoop. Right. Yeah. So what's the future look like for you guys? Our plan was to do three years of investing and then reinvesting every penny from lifestyles. But, uh, you know, we're not spring chickens anymore. And we've got our health and, and our, our goal is to spend our daughter's inheritance, you know. And, and so the, the, the idea is to leave her with a $5 check that bounces and uh, 20 credit cards that are maxed out. So we've started to travel now that things have loosened up. And, um, you know, we're, we're still playing with, with antique steam cars, and I'm still writing books, and, and uh, you know, Carolyn's getting involved in volunteer stuff these days, and so lifestyles really contributes to that. 
you know, I told Carolyn the other day, I said, you know, January and April and July and October are, are all Christmas months for us. So that's, that's when the distribution's back. <laughs> it's the Christmas season. Thank you very much. Now more intel from the files of Del Wamsley. I went back to my members. I said, you've got two goals here. One is to make enough money for you to retire if you wish to. And the second one is to be so good at what we do is to win awards. Now, it's not that hard to win awards if you are copying the best. I came back and said, look, to my mentors, I said, the only way you as mentors can prove to me that you're doing the job that you're here to do is if one, you retire someone, make that big killing deal to retire someone, or a bunch of base hits that retire someone, or two, one of your mentees, students, wins an award. Remember this, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Have a great day, we'll see you tomorrow. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.